Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 372 of the RV Podcast. And this week, we talk about when the worst happens, dealing with a critical RV medical emergency. Welcome, fellow travelers. It's time for another episode of the RV Podcast. Answering your questions, sharing tips, suggesting great trips and off-the-beaten-path adventures, and always staying on top of the RV lifestyle news you need to know about with great interviews and inside industry information. Here's your hosts, award-winning journalists Mike and Jennifer Wendland. And hello, everybody. I am Mike Wendland, and this is my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer. And uh, we should wish everybody a uh, happy Thanksgiving, don't you think? We certainly should. We are so blessed to be in this country, in the States, celebrating Thanksgiving, and uh, so we have so much to be thankful for. Even though it's so crazy out there in these times, it's uh, uh, we, we have a lot, like you say, to be thankful for. Uh, our Canadian uh, followers, you guys celebrated Thanksgiving uh, a little bit earlier than we do in the U.S., but uh, we hope you had a great one, too. I should announce it's time for another giveaway. About every two weeks, we run a special sweepstakes, a giveaway. And this week, it's a pretty cool prizes that we're giving away. We're giving away $100 worth of merch from our store. You can pick up some sweatshirts or cups or anything that you might like from the store plus all our of our current ebook travel guides there's over 10 of them and uh, you get them uh that's a pretty good uh, hunk of uh, of reading for you to help you with your 2022 rv travel plans and again like jen says a hundred dollar gift certificate for you know clothing and apparel and all that stuff so we're pretty excited the the winner will be announced on December 4th on our Ask Us Anything YouTube show at 7 o'clock on uh, uh, Sunday night, December 4th. You can enter as many times as you want. Just go to rvlifestyle.com slash sweepstakes and you can enter the contest. So we've got some plans for our RV this week. We do. We're going to have pancakes and sausage at a local park, our friends are from our, the puppies and the people that we've met at the dog park. We're going to get together and uh, celebrate Thanksgiving a little bit early with the pre-Thanksgiving breakfast. breakfast. We're going to turn the RV into a food truck. <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. Wendland's so, food truck. Yeah, and Bo's. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have a Both group a uh, that we kind of walk the dogs with us, probably six, eight of us that walk uh, every morning. We do a little hike with the dogs, and uh, so the dogs are all friends, the people are friends, and we uh, are going to bring the RV up and fire up uh, the generator and cook some sausage and some pancakes. Flip and some pancakes, throw some blueberries in. going to be fun. Wish you guys could join us. We do <laughs> wish you could join us. It would be fun. Hey, we had a question on our Ask Us Anything this past Sunday night about our stay at a, um, it was kind of like a working cattle ranch. Somebody remembered, I guess, that we had done a video uh, a while back, and the name of the place was the Flying W Cattle Ranch. And we were excited to see the question because it reminded us how much fun we had. And so we said, go see that video, and if you really want to enjoy it, we urge you to, to do the same thing. But turns out that's not a good thing for us to recommend. Right. Due to COVID, they shut down. They closed the ranch for having guests. 
And then when they got shut down for that while, they realized they had time to breathe, to think, to enjoy life, not just to be on a crazy schedule because their ranch was so much fun and so nice. And I can see where it could be a lot of work. And everybody would tell everybody they knew about it because it was a very special place. So we're sad to hear that the Flying W uh, Ranch is no longer accepting campers and guests like that. Maybe they will someday again. But maybe somebody out there uh, watching or listening to this podcast knows of a similar place that is a working dude ranch or cattle ranch that allows camping and guests. If you do, send us a note, Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com, and we can pass it along to uh, all of our, uh, our followers who want to know about that. So we got some feedback uh, from uh, last week's conversation and the story we reported about uh, high fuel prices and uh, we were wondering at the point at that point whether they were high enough to affect people uh, in their RV habits. Well we got some feedback from a listener named Deborah who said that California gas, gas prices have defi definitely factored into her not camping this fall. Uh, she usually has some flexibility in her fixed income to allow for some travel but because of the high prices of gas no traveling. And I, I don't know how many others are like Deborah, but I suspect if we got feedback from one listener, uh, one uh, part, part of our audience here on the podcast, there are others the same way. Uh, we just came back from Tennessee, and I did notice that uh, the prices just, every time we go, every two weeks, they seem to be up another 50 cents. And uh, they're pushing $4 a gallon for gas, uh, for uh, 91-octane uh, gas. You can get 87, a little bit less. I like to run 90, uh, 91 in ours if I can. Uh, but it's um, it's it's just under. What did it four cost bucks. to fill up a, a 80 fill bucks. up? 80 bucks. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it was a lot. So uh, we're curious. Let us know uh, at what point you will, if you will, if you do curtail your travel because of gas prices or fuel prices. And uh, we're, we're just going to kind of keep track of that because uh, I'm asked that a lot. And we, we do interviews with uh, publications and stuff. They say, well, what about the gas prices? I well, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't seen any evidence yet. So that's the first feedback we've got. That I really do think that it has to be affecting travel because if you've got kids, the cost of food, you know, just buying everything, everything's getting so expensive. I really do think yeah. that that would be a factor. Yep, uh, it, it does. Uh, we are very excited. We announced last week that we were going to Tennessee, and we said we'd tell you why. Well, we posted a picture on Facebook that showed why. We went to the woodlands at Buffalo River, uh, about uh, 90 miles or so uh, due west and a little bit south of Nashville. Now, we have been there in that region twice in the last year, both of them doing stories about... Um, people who were buying their own RV property. One, uh, some oversized RV lots on the Tennessee River, Kentucky Lake area, which we were very impressed with. And then our more recent story was when we went and we heard about the Woodlands, which is a big 5,000 acre stretch of wooded, beautiful wooded countryside on a, on a mountaintop mm -hmm. just east of Linden, Tennessee. Well, we did this story, and I think you could tell if you saw that story that we were very impressed. We love boondocking. We love being in the woods. We love being away from 
uh, a lot of congestion. And that's certainly what the woodlands was like. And yet it's close to things like, you know, a cool town and a river. So we went down and uh, we, uh, we picked out five acres and um, we posted it on our Facebook. We had hundreds and hundreds of people uh, commenting on it. And uh, we, we're planning a video this Saturday coming up right after Thanksgiving that'll show you the property that we bought. Um, for those of you who are watching this episode of the podcast on the YouTube channel, we'll throw up some photographs. But uh, why don't you describe it a little bit? Uh, well, it's a lot of uh, ridges and ravines, hardwoods, pines, a little bit of everything with the trees. Uh, there are coyotes. Yeah, we had. And, uh, we didn't hear them though. We didn't hear them. We lots had, of deer in the property. Yeah, and the we saw a bald eagle. We saw while a bald we were eagle. There. So and, it and truly is a getaway spot. We've got a parking spot in the middle of the woods. Yep. So uh, we boondocked there one of the nights that we mm -hmm. were down in Tennessee, and we loved it. It was just so peaceful. Very just quiet. So peaceful. The wind through the pines. Oh, love that sound. Yep. So uh, what we're going to do is. Uh, we front a county road. That's one of the reasons that we picked this parcel because that county road has electricity. It has water, so you don't have to drill a well. And uh, it even has um, uh, fiber optic internet coming very soon. So we're going to make like a circular drive and a little pad for our RV. Um, and then uh, we'll have hookups. We'll put it, we, we got a permit for a septic field. We're going to put that in. And this is going to be our own little getaway. And we should have room for a couple more uh, guests. And we'll invite folks to, to join us. Uh, and we'll be regularly chronicling our development of this little piece of property. And we'll, you can share it. So it's pretty cool. Uh, we are very excited. Uh, we should tell you that uh, if you are interested in it, uh, you want to look at it. Um, just from the time we were there the first time till the time we were there last week, and even over the weekend, they have been selling it a lot. It's just because it's so hard to get into campgrounds, so many RVers are really interested in, in getting their own property. Um, all the spots on the road we are at, I think, have been sold. They've got a bunch of property that they're, they're still available. They're having a showing uh, and a sale on December 11th. And you can find out the information at myrvland.com. Myrvland.com. You know, I had one other thing I wanted to share with people because I think it's so important okay, yeah. that uh, our, someone called in named Peggy, and she wanted to warn everybody that if you haven't been padlocking your trailer hitch to prevent an easy theft, you might consider it. She has an older friend who had her trailer stolen right out of her driveway in a quiet Montana town. It's happening everywhere. I had never thought about that. Yeah, they posted a picture of that trailer. Uh, I didn't know that that was the one that Peggy had talked about on the uh, RV Lifestyle uh, Facebook group. It's just a, a regular travel trailer. They stole it right out of her yard. Yeah, I mean, and in Montana, you know, yeah, RVs are little in town in Montana, you don't yeah. expect that. So, um, yeah, get a hitch, a, a hitch lock. You can get those for your trailer. Isn't that it terrible that? Yeah, you, you know, know, but you know, that's you got to do world. what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Peggy, for uh, alerting us to that. And uh, all of you just take that uh, advice to, to heart, uh, a little security around your, your RV. All right, when we come right back, uh, you're going to meet a delightful couple who persevered in the midst of a terrible medical problem that uh, 
uh, they had. And uh, I think you're going to get a lot of inspiration from this story. So stay with us. We'll be right back. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country. And there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just on a shop. In fact, uh, we have so much fun with uh, Camping World. And as we talk about it, as one of our sponsors, they have agreed to offer a 10% discount. If you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10, when you buy $99 or more in merchandise, you'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and that we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gadgets. Check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RV Lifestyle 10 when you visit campingworld.com. All RVers need specialized emergency transportation coverage to cover air and ground ambulances, return to home services, and vehicle return. You only have a 68% chance that those services will be completely covered by your major medical. Sad reality is that a lot of people believe they have that coverage, but it turns out most carriers that claim to cover air ambulances only cover you for a hospital to hospital transfer and offer no coverage to get you to the initial hospital in the first place. The truth is 68% of air ambulances are hospital to hospital. Here's a map of all the places in the U.S. That getting to the hospital in the golden hour is not possible without an air ambulance. And with an average cost of $52,481 for an air ambulance, why would you take the risk? Go to peaceofmindforrvs.com today and take a look at the true emergency transportation coverage they offer that covers it all. The coverage can save your life and your life savings. Check it out, peaceofmindforrvs.com. Jennifer and I are members, and we urge you to consider it too. Peace of mind for RVs.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is the interview of the week section. We're pretty excited about the, our guests this week. We are. We have Larry and Mary Allen, who call themselves the uh, Second Chance Vagabonds, and I think you're going to learn a lot from their story. And you'll learn why they call themselves the Second Chance Vagabonds, as uh, you uh, you get to meet him in the interview. Just a, a quick uh, background on them. Uh, Larry is a, a retired pastor. He was a pastor for over 40 years, 45 years, I think. And uh, they retired to be full-time RVers, sold their house, all their possessions, did everything, and had a great adventure. They bought a big fifth wheel and had a big truck to pull it, and they went everywhere had an absolute ball until about a year ago uh, right at thanksgiving time last year uh, they were in their rv on a trip down a uh, warm climate down uh, near texas and larry suddenly became critically ill this cascaded into absolutely the worst medical emergencies you can imagine uh, i just want you to listen to this story and uh, be inspired by it it does have a happy ending well, joining us now from their home in Warren, Michigan, Larry and Mary Allen. How are you guys? We're great. Doing wonderful. Glad to be with you. Well, it is great to have you guys with us. Now, we've got a lot of ground to cover in this uh, tale of uh, how life can throw us a curve, but uh, our job is to kind of turn into the curve and then straighten it out. And I, I can't wait to hear uh, share your story with, uh, with our audience. 
So uh, talk us about it, about uh, how you came into the RV lifestyle, and uh, let's just kind of walk through your uh, your adventure. Well, we've camped our entire marriage. Uh, we spent our first uh, anniversary in a pup tent. The big spender he is. And uh, I guess so. When our, when our kids came along, we got a pop-up and used a pop-up for about 25 or 30 years. And... Uh, Sold it a few years ago with the intent of eventually getting an RV to use. Um, but when we celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary, we went to Alaska, had such a wonderful time on that trip. Uh, at the airport, waiting for our flight home, Mary said, you know, when we retire, we should live full-time and travel in an RV. And that's uh, all she had to say. I was in. I started shopping. <laughs> Now, how long ago was this? That was in 2015. Uh, we spent four years preparing. I started listening to you soon after that. Uh, a friend had uh, told me about your web, uh, your uh, podcast then. It was, uh, I don't think you had a web channel yet. Oh, no, we've had a website for a long time, uh, for even longer than that. Yeah, but yeah, that's good. anyway, started listening to the podcast, got ready, and it, in uh, October 27, 2019, I retired. Uh, we left that day. We began our journey that afternoon and uh, had a wonderful time. Uh, in our first 13 months, we uh, traveled almost 22,000 miles, uh, sp spent at least one night in uh, uh, 21 different states, actually visited 22, and um, boondocked. We Camped in national parks, state parks, uh, just had a wonderful time. Now, now Mary, you left uh, kids, family, house back uh, back home and moved into an RV? Yeah, we sold our house wow. and moved into a apartment so we could get used to being in small, confined, and do without, make things um, operate without much junk. Would you advise that to other folks who are considering full-time life to, to try that? That's a That seems a very reasonable... I, I would. Um, you know, as Larry said, you know, we don't have a lot of room inside, but we'll have a lot of room outside. And so there's been a lot of walking when you have to go and get out of that yeah. tight space. But yeah, I would. I believe I heard a great man who does an outstanding podcast and video channel say he has a small house but an enormous yard. You know, I almost had my uh, had that uh, sweatshirt on. We have a sweatshirt with that on it <laughs> in our merch store. And I almost was wearing that today. Uh, That's our model. That's the truth, though, isn't it? It is. It's the truth, isn't it? It is. it is a small home, but it's a big yard out there. Well, everything's going along great, right? Right. And then what happens? A year ago, we're in the Rio Grande Valley, uh, going to spend the winter there. Uh, I was actually going to be a chaplain at an RV resort for the winter. And I should point out, you are a retired pastor. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. Uh, yep. I was in yep. ministry 45 years before I retired. Wow. And, uh, well, that's what happened. That's where all the hair that's went. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> it's a tough job. So we're in the Rio Grande Valley. We're excited about the resort we're in. Uh, it was very nice, very large uh, resort. Of course, it was COVID, and so it was affecting the number of winter Texans that were going to be there. And uh, But we were off to a good start. Uh, we were able to have a few services, but uh, I began feeling badly and uh, 
got quite sick. Uh, finally, the day after Thanksgiving last year, went to a, uh, I thought it was an urgent care. It turned out to be a standalone emergency room and discovered I had cirrhosis of the liver and uh, wound up in the... I, I stop you right there. That's a strange disease for a, a retired pastor. I'm filing a uh, workman's comp claim over all the times I had to serve communion over those years. That's the only explanation I have. Although we use grape juice, so I'm not sure it'll hold yeah, up. I don't think that's good. Work. <laughs> so, so just to give everybody a sense, uh, what was he like when he started to feel poorly? I mean, uh, I suspect that he's one of these guys that never feels bad. He was, um, he didn't want to eat, and we like to eat. We like to try new stuff, and he had no energy, couldn't ride his bike, just could not enjoy being outside. And I kept saying, we need to go get you looked at, and we did finally. So you go into the hospital, and you're stunned. Shock. Cirrhosis of the liver. How, how do you get that if it's not from alcohol? They didn't really have a, an explanation. I've been a diabetic for a number of years. It's always been controlled. I've taken pretty good care of myself, and they think maybe that was one of the causes, but uh, they really haven't pinpointed what caused it. So what happens to your RV life? Well, diagnosis like that. I, I spent eight days in the hospital that first visit. They worked on getting some swelling out of my legs and, uh, and sent me home. Uh, but then, uh, so we were back in the RV. I still wasn't feeling well and actually progressively got better. Uh, excuse me, got worse. And then December 23rd last year, went back. Uh, to the hospital and wound up staying until, um, well, uh, we were there all together 31 days. And uh, they also diagnosed me in the second business visit with kidney failure as well. Cirrhosis of the liver, kidney failure. Uh, wow. <laughs> what do you do? You cry. <laughs> you cry and pray. Well, we... Um, you know, the doctors there told us that uh, those two problems together were very complicated and that uh, I asked about dialysis. You know, being a pastor, you're around sick folks all the time and you learn about medicine. And uh, my my kidney doctor was also the uh, medical director of the hospital. He was a pretty sharp guy. And uh, he told me that dialysis was not a good option because it can be so dangerous, causes your blood pressure to plummet. Their goal then, we decided we had, we had to stop RVing. We couldn't just be down there. Had to come off the road. Right. And uh, we needed to get back to Michigan. And uh, both of our daughters came, one from Minnesota, one from uh, here in Michigan, came to spend that time with us and help us. And uh, we were members of Family Motor Coach Association, I'd, FMCA, it's called. Right, F, FMCA. Uh, yep. You know, I'd seen their tags on the back of RVs. I, I joined it because I could. <laughs> they had just opened it up to the towables right before we went full time. And uh, I just thought it'd be cool to be a member. I had no idea they had FMCA assist at the time. Now, you were in a fifth wheel? We were in a fifth wheel, towed it with a 3,500 uh, Ram pickup. Uh, 
So let's give a shout out to FMCA and that family assists. Mary, talk, take us how that helped you guys, because Larry's still pretty sick. Yeah, he's sick and not able to communicate well. I mean, he's he was able to talk. And when my daughters came down, I asked, I said, you know, your dad says we have um, FMCA assists. And we've had people all over the country say they'll come and get us back to Michigan when the hospital would release him. And so we just, I had her call, my one daughter called to just, check to see if Dad had read the report right, read the magazine right, that we had this. And they um, answered all her questions. They said, yes, we'll take care of it. And from then on, they talked to the hospital 90% of the time because until Larry could get released and assured us everything would be okay. They, um, they were fantastic. I mean, we didn't know, I didn't realize we really had it. And I was just shocked that they were going to fly us home, get somebody to drive our RV home to Michigan, and not and we didn't have to worry about anything. And also provided us a nurse. Um, so on, um, I knew that would happen fast. So we had to get stuff together when they decide he could go home. We had to get the um, fifth wheel ready to travel north, and um, the truck and everything, and we would just, I was astonished how well it went. And then they took Larry to the hospital, from the hospital to the airport. The airport, a nurse met us there, uh, put Larry in first class I with his nurse, and me and my daughter got to stay in the back seat and ride home. But it was, it was just truly a blessing what they offered. And we got that for just having a membership. That, and that's what I think so many people don't realize about FMCA. And uh, Let's be just a stopping this story. This is one of the reasons why a great organization like FMCA deserves your support. Because look how... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you're back in Michigan. You're thinking your RVs are done. And you've got a pretty grim pro prognosis, Larry. Right. Uh, Take us now what happens. They put, they transferred me from the hospital in Texas to a rehab here in Michigan. And five days in, uh, I got s sicker. My blood, uh, white blood cells plummeted. And the doctor uh, rushed, had I, they rushed me by ambulance to the hospital uh, in Royal Oak, uh, Beaumont Hospital. And... Um, Found out I had COVID, oh, and COVID was attacking my bone marrow, causing my blood cells to get all out of whack. Um, they treated for me for eight days. Uh, uh, while I was there, Melissa, Mary had done all the work to get us a place to live, and we had friends give us furniture. It was amazing how God gave people in our lives uh, to help us and help her do all of that. I was out of the hospital two weeks, went back to see the liver doctor, hoping to get a process going to possibly get on a transplant list eventually. And they admitted me to the hospital, and um, I was there for a few days, developed a, a, an internal bleed. They had to do surgery for that. And uh, things were going bad fast, but finally uh, in March of this year, uh, March the 1st, they did surgery to correct the internal bleeding. 
March the 2nd, just about everybody was certain I was going to die that day. It was bad. Uh, I told my wife and daughters goodbye. Uh, the doctors thought I was dying. Everybody did. Uh, but uh, due to the power of social media, and I have a love-hate relationship with it, but people all over the world began to pray for me. And the next day, I had taken a 180. I was so much better. And we learned that day that I had got on uh, one of the, the second and third. We learned that I was on the uh, transplant list for kidney and liver. And on the fourth, uh, the head of the transplant team came in and said, we think we found organs for you. Oh, my goodness. That usually takes years. It does. The average wait in Michigan uh, for a kidney is five years and for a liver is 11 months. And here overnight, they found my uh, organs. The next day, on the 5th... What about you know about your donor? I mean, that's always a question people... Yeah, my donor... All I know is was it was a 19-year-old male. And I think that's tragic. I mean, I'm so grateful for the gift I was given and all the opportunity it gives me, but I grieve for his family. Um, and it seems such a tragedy. I, and that honestly spurs me to be a better steward of the rest of my life and the, the gift that I've been given. So you had the surgery uh, against all odds, and you got better. I got better. You look pretty. It took, a, it took a while to get better because other things kept happening. And in the meantime, we decided to sell everything because I really didn't think he was going to make it. Me of little faith. So we sold the well. We traded the truck off because he couldn't get in it, and then we sold the fifth wheel. And I thought we were done. March and April, we started selling. Okay. Well, we sold the the van early. I mean, the truck earlier in before February. he in February. But um, but you're done. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got all these situations, and it's just not going to get better. Yeah. It, it, the odds were yeah. But you did. We did. I did get better, and when I decided I wasn't going to die, I started looking on the Internet while I'm laying in the hospital at RVs. I do remember beginning to want to RV again, and uh, I was actually looking on the Internet and watching to see, and I decided that an older mobile home would be affordable to us and easier to manage than a fifth wheel. and. Uh, a couple of months ago, we uh, uh, got back into the RV business. We've got a, a 1999 uh, Southwind uh, Storm, a 30-foot Class A, uh, classic, beautiful, wonderful condition. And actually have taken three uh, uh, short trips here in Michigan with it uh, before we put it so into you're, you're back able to RV again. Now, uh, we tell the story because... That is everybody's fear, you know, it's so many people. But what happens if the worst happens? Well, the worst happened to you guys. And as we wind this up, I'd, I'd really love you to give some advice to other people. One, who are worried that, well, maybe we're too old to go out on the RV, or what happens if it all happens? Talk about that pivot that you made. Well, we've discovered that when the worst happens, it brings out the best in a lot of people. And people in Texas, 
uh, that we had only known for a matter of weeks uh, were so supportive and helpful. Um, people that we had, we, a couple we met in Florida when we were at a uh, a, uh, a rally, a RV rally that we just happened to park next to. He he offered to come to Texas and tow my RV home for me. I mean, we just met them. Uh, and we had planned in that short time a trip together, but COVID knocked that in the head. We didn't get to do it. But, I mean, it's when the worst happens, uh, honestly, the best comes out in people. Uh, and people were there to help us. Some of the preparations we had made, like joining uh, FMCA and uh, some other things, had had prepared us for that, even though... We never imagined that that would happen. And honestly, we're people of faith, and I would I would tell people that they need to nurture their faith because when you need it worse, uh, is the best time to have it. Mary, your advice. And, and the says, lessons that you learned through this. Take it day by day, but go as you take it day by day. What happens, happens. We have no control over some things in life, and I'm not going to sit around waiting for something to happen. I'm going to enjoy We've had 13 great months of what we did on faith and, and a desire. And I just say, don't let fear um, hold you back. Just go for it. And when if something does happen, unfortunately, use your faith again to get you through it because that's how we did it. Well, I know you're speaking to some other people who are probably uh, thinking that it can't get any worse, <laughs> and uh, it, it may, that may be true, but it can get better. It can. It does. It can get better. We have no regrets, uh, none whatsoever. We had a wonderful time, and even though we were far from our family and support, um, we manage it. I mean, and if we could, anybody can. Well, I, I thank you both for telling your story, and I can't wait to uh, uh, meet you guys out on the road uh, when the uh, weather gets a little oh, no. up there in Michigan. Larry thinks we need to come up to the UP this January, February, whenever you have your... For our winter? Yes. 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 You're He's a thinking it. He's trying to convince me. I think we could do that. <laughs> hey, if you guys, if you did your honeymoon in a pup tent, you can... <laughs> This is true. Michigan in January. So we might see you. God bless both of you. And uh, thank you again for sharing. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate all y'all do. Hey, so do you think we'll get to see Larry and Mary up in the Upper Peninsula in January? I don't know. Larry's uh, talking about it. Uh, It's cold. It's cold. There's about two and a half feet of snow. but uh, what what a great story. And uh, just a great example. I loved what Mary said about just Take it day by day, and uh, faith, how important faith is, uh, how important friends and how supportive the RV community, and again, a shout out to our friends at the FMCA and that uh, uh, FMCA assist program that uh, got their RV back and everything. What a great story that was. All right, uh, we'll be right back after this. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborn batteries. Battleborn batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. 
Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And battle-borne batteries are protected by a 10-year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And they'll probably be the same on your rig, too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. Have you had it with overbooked, overcrowded campgrounds? Then check out Harvest Hosts, where RVers can overnight for free at more than 2,400 wineries, farms, microbreweries, golf courses, and attractions. Harvest Host is a membership service for those with self-contained RVs looking for unique, beautiful, and peaceful overnight camping experiences across North America. When you become a member of Harvest Host, you can camp for free at all these places. Jennifer and I are Harvest Host members, and we've made so many great memories at Harvest Host locations. There's no charge for camping, and your Harvest Host membership fee is easily made up with just a couple of stays. Plus, you have awesome places to stay. If you use our special affiliate link of rvlifestyle.com slash hh, you'll automatically get 15% off the cost of your membership. That's 15% off, but you must use the special link, rvlifestyle.com slash hh. Welcome back, fellow travelers. It's time now for the RV news of the week. And of course, um, Thanksgiving's the big story, right? It certainly is. I think people, more people travel on Thanksgiving than any other holiday. I read that somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so this first story, uh, more Americans are expected to travel this year for Thanksgiving than last year. And if you're planning to hit the road this uh, week for Thanksgiving, expect more traffic. That's what AAA is projecting, that 4 million more travelers are going to be traveling than last year. So about 53.4 million people are predicted to travel this uh, week of Thanksgiving. Now that is just under the numbers of travelers that were there before the pandemic. So we are almost back to normal in terms of travel. Uh, and most of those travelers... Most of those people are going to be driving. So that's not normal. A lot of people flew. Uh, airline flights, I guess, are still down a little bit, although they're picking up. Yeah, I know we had an opportunity recently. We were thinking about flying, and we changed our mind. We decided yeah. we're going to drive, and I'm glad we did. Yep. It, yep. Was, it was fun to drive. And the worst day to be on the road is going to be Wednesday, specifically between noon and 8 p.m., according to AAA. And the best time to travel, after 9 p.m. Wednesday, but before 11 a.m. on Thursday, and before noon on Saturday and Sunday. So if you're stuck in traffic on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I hope you're listening to the podcast and we make that travel go a little easier for you. Uh, but uh, it's good to see people back on the road again. Now, we're going to be traveling. Uh, we are. We're about 45 minutes. Oh, yes. We're going over to, uh, we're going <laughs> to have celebration, celebrate with Wendy and uh, Rachel, Dan, and Rachel and Lala and Dan and our, uh, our daughter and her family. So uh, how's it feel not to be cooking this year? You know what I did? I went out and bought a little turkey breast. I'm going to make um, a little turkey breast so we can have leftovers. Well, yeah. See, when you make the meal, 
You get you the get leftovers. The leftovers, but we're going to somebody else's house, and they're going to eat all of And they don't like stuffing, and I really like stuffing. You can't have turkey without stuffing, Well, so right? we're going to have turkey and stuffing, and I'm making sweet potatoes, so I'll keep a couple for us, and oh. it's all going to work out just great. I, I like this. Uh, more costs to camping. Uh, my story for this uh, week, the one that caught my attention, is near and dear to me, and that's in our home state of Michigan. It's the latest state to raise camping costs. They announced that... Uh, they're going to raise the cost of a campsite in Michigan State Parks uh, an additional $2 to $8 per night, Ooh. depending on the location and the time of the week uh, beginning this month. So, you know, less than during the middle of the week, more on holidays and weekends. We've been telling yeah. everybody that's what's going to yeah. happen, the um, taking advantage of the weekend people. And, and the reason why is the state, like many others across the country, saw a 30% increase in state park attendance since the pandemic began in 2019, right after the pan, right after 2019, so the increase has caused a big uh, spike in their operational costs. Uh, they hope to offset that uh, a little bit with this hike in camping charges. So lots there. And the state hadn't increased the fees for like four years, so yeah, they yep. were feeling justified in doing that. And it's not just state parks; they're looking at more money. Yeah, the. Out in uh, the national parks as well. Yeah, Rocky Mountain National Park. They're, they may be going to charge more for visitors and campers starting May 1st. They're thinking about going up $5 extra a campsite. So that would, that would how much would that make you have to pay then? It would be like 30 bucks a day, 30. you know? Yeah, I think just, it's going to be up to Just about, to visit whoa. the campground? Yeah, $30 a day, summer fees for camping at a whole bunch of their parks. Yeah. So um, that's, that's going to cost you a lot more. And um, all that's going to go if, they, if this rule goes through. And, of course, you know, when they propose it, it almost always goes through. Uh, May 1st. And they say that's going to They say that's going to help uh, with repair hiking trails, remove dead trees, manage bears. That's a big expense. And improve campsites, among many other things. There are so many expenses. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a big deal running a campsite. And that is one of the most popular parks. Oh, Rocky Mountain National, and they got mm -hmm. devastated by fires this year. Oh, yeah. So any help that, uh, you know, I'm, I don't begrudge them or Michigan or any of them. you got to charge more if, if you've got But if you're on a fixed income, that hits you hard. Yeah, and you add gas and everything else. Yeah, hits you uh, hard. But there is some good news. Uh, the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, instead of going to the store, go for a hike. And uh, there's a campaign underway called hashtag, you know, uh, social media, hashtag, opt outside day <laughs> and this has been growing year after year folks at rei are, are behind a lot of it and um, free admission to state parks a whole bunch of them not all of them but um let's see i'll do Tempe. a couple yeah you want to do you want to read okay. some of them arizona california colorado delaware indiana kansas michigan minnesota <laughs> nevada new mexico Oregon, Vermont, and Virginia. So good for those and, states, and there, giving everybody a free day. There may be a couple more that we missed, but uh, free admission. And the whole idea is instead of shopping, get outside, get some fresh air, free admission to those parks, no fees in the parks. And uh, you can follow that whole thing on social media with the hashtag opt outside, opt outside. <laughs> it's a cool idea. And um, we'll be out. So 
We and we will. We'll be actually on, on state land, so we'll yes. be hiking. Yeah. Yes. We'll, we, hike, we hike every day. We'll make sure of it. So yeah. It'll be, it'll be good. Yeah, I would like it twice a day, Dad. Yeah. All right. Let's go with some questions now. The RV questions of the week that come in from uh, all of you from our different platforms. Uh, many of you know, of course, this is, you're listening on uh, uh, the podcast. If you're listening on your favorite app, Spotify, you know, Apple Music, uh, Apple Podcast, uh, Android Auto, Android, Google Play. Oh, I can't remember all these apps. <laughs> Stitcher. We're on all of those. But you can also download us from the RV Lifestyle website. And this podcast is also on the RV Lifestyle YouTube channel. So uh, questions come in from all of those platforms. And uh, our first one is from Despina. All right. And she says, our interstate camper has been at the Airstream dealer since September 4th for service. Ooh. The dealer techs may not have exercised the generator during the time they had it. Would it be a reasonable request to ask them to make sure our generator is working before we pick it up? And to not charge us for the text time since they kept our camper for so long. And what are the consequences of not exercising it? Well, let's start with uh, the consequences. consequences. Uh, you should exercise your generator about an hour every four to six weeks. I mean, an hour, you know, that's what they really recommend is an hour, uh, at least a half hour. And when we say exercise your generator, because we have a lot of new folks out there, that just means turning it on and turning it on preferably with a load. Uh, you know, run the air conditioner, for example, when the air, when the generator's on. So it just keeps it all going. And that's, uh, that's just, that's really smart. So yours has been in, she said, September 4th. September, October, November. Almost, almost three months. Right. So it definitely should have been exercised at least once, maybe twice. So you are not out of line. Boy, I wonder, it's too late now, you know, to have called them and say, well, to remind do them. It now. Hopefully they did do that. You're, you're just, because I know you have an interstate uh, Class B RV from Airstream. They're a high-end uh, RV. It's fairly new. Uh, I would assume you've been uh, exercising that generator regularly uh, as you've driven it. So I don't think you have to worry about any serious damage, but it should get exercised. And if you ask, would it be a reasonable request? And it would be. Uh, if you can go over, do it yourself. But if not, ask them. And uh, they shouldn't be charging you to turn it on. And I'm wondering if the reason they had it so long was because they couldn't get parts. Probably. That's... I would think that that would be the reason because two months is just a long time. Yeah. All right, here's a question that came in from uh, Robin, and she wants to know, uh, will your microwave uh, oven work off of your lithium batteries when you're boondocking? Yes, it will. There you go. But I, how long will it work is probably uh, the second question. Well... I mean, you know, it's a microwave, I imagine a couple minutes, maybe at the most, that's all you usually use a microwave for. But um, the caveat on that is how big is your inverter? Uh, so I would imagine if you have lithium that you've opted, uh, you've gotten a pretty good size inverter, but it should be at least a 2000 watt inverter. Uh, and that's what, that's what we have in ours. And uh, we love the fact that we can just turn on the generator and it, it will work with, or turn on the, uh, the microwave and not have to turn on the generator. It works right off the batteries. But if we had anything less than a 2,000 watt inverter, we would have to use the generator. 
and that can get pretty noisy when you're boondocking. So uh, 2000 watt inverter, lithium batteries, uh, no need to start the generator. So, and don't run anything else. That's it. Yeah, don't run anything else. All right, one more question. From Eric, question. I've always heard that diesel engines last much longer than regular gas. Is this true with RVs as well? I think so. Um, you know, diesels are just very rugged workhorses for the trucking industry. FedEx runs a, a lot of those diesel-powered sprinters, and I know they get 300, 350,000 miles uh, out of those things. Uh, they're just getting warmed up at 100,000 miles. So I think that that is generally too, true. Uh, now, gas engines, we have a, you know, one of the reasons we got the current RV we have is we wanted to have experience with a gas engine. Uh, all of our other RVs, be they Class Cs or Class Bs, were diesel. We loved diesel. Uh, they got great mileage. Uh, we love the power that diesel has. But um, sometimes it's a pain, a little bit of a, I don't want to say it's a major deal, but. Define diesel yeah. fuel, and like when you're out west. Or you're in, you know, remote areas, sometimes they don't have, actually remote areas almost always have diesel. It's, it's in a, a more of an urban setting that they don't run as much diesel. I think but, finding gas stations out west sometimes. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's <laughs> They're it. few and far between. But, but there's been times, lots of times when with diesel where we would have trouble, well, we'd pull into a fuel station and all I sell was gas. So we had to find another one. And we never got stranded or anything. But, um, but, the, but the gas, it, we, we have one now that's gas engine, and it's, it's great. It, it does not have the power. I noticed that when we drive. It's got great acceleration, but it doesn't have the... The, just the torque that I think a diesel engine brings. Uh, I hope that's the right word. You car heads can tell me if I... I think it's torque. But it, it, it's got a lot more power, particularly going up hills. Yeah, going up hills. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference. Yeah. There's a difference. But those engines do last longer. So uh, whether that is a factor in an RV use, because most RVs are not driven as long uh, and don't rack up the high mileage that a, a truck, a diesel truck will, um, but I think it's generally true. So, all right, we've got our questions. We'd love to get your comments. We love to get your questions. And the best way to do that is to send us your uh, questions by email, just Mike and Jen at rvlifestyle.com. And one way you can do it is take your smartphone and uh, just, uh, just go online and, and, uh, or just open it up and shoot a question, a selfie question of yourself. Uh, making a comment, asking a question, and then email that to us at Mike and Jen. And we would appreciate Lifestyle. it so much if you would do it. It's not that hard to do it. Yeah. So stand in front of your RV with the snow falling, rain falling, <laughs> sun shining, and send us a question. Yeah. Hey, speaking of that, um, I wonder how many people are, are uh, decorating their RVs for the holidays. I don't know. We did that. A few years ago, and it was so it was much fun. So much fun. Uh, so maybe for the uh, YouTube version of the podcast, if you send us in a bunch of photos of your RV all decorated, we'll put them on our YouTube video between now and Christmas. That would be fun. We'd love to see it. All right, time now for one of our favorite sections uh, every week: the hidden campground gems. Mark Kep, he always comes up with a great place. Where we're, is it this week? We're heading to an island campground. Ooh. In fact, a National Park Island campground off the coast of North Carolina. Take it away, Mark. Thank you, Mike and Jen, and hello, everybody. In today's hidden 
gem campground of the week, we're going to go to an island. I guess that's kind of why it makes it hidden because it's on an island. So you're probably asking, wait, Mark, how am I going to get my RV or car out to an island? Well, it's an island located off the shore of North Carolina. And it's actually a pretty famous island. Most people know about Ocracoke Island, which is the barrier islands along the coast of North Carolina. So there is a national park campground out there called Ocracoke Campground. And as you'll see, as we jump in here to this virtual tour of the campground, there's a lot of RVs in here. So there's the ferry system. It's quite easy to get out there. Obviously understand and follow the rules of the ferry regarding propane tanks and scheduling and all that type of stuff. It's a little bit of logistics to get here, but the campground itself is well worth the trip. In fact, this, um, this campground right now that we're looking at, um, when I pulled up the dates, you'll see that there's some green icons all out through, through the campground. And this is currently the nice season to be out there. And there's a lot of spots available. That's because it is a hidden gem. You have to get on a ferry to get out there. The campground is wide open. The sites aren't massive, so it's better for smaller trailers, smaller RVs. Um, and what I mean by smaller is about 35 feet would be a max. You could probably hang your tail off the back there. It's also a good spot for tents. Um, you'll see the nice grassy area. It's a, it's a soft soil, so you can put the stakes in. And around here, I'll pause real fast here. Around this whole um, campground, hey, we got people following us here. Around this whole campground is a barrier um, sand dunes to keep the, the ocean there. It's a rather surreal spot to go camping though. If you've ever been out on these islands, you know that. If you haven't, it's a, it's really weird because basically you're at sea level driving around out here. I don't know, being from the West Coast, that just freaks me out. But I guess earthquakes freak people out if they go, come to California. So my, my little weirdness, huh? Um, the campground itself, uh, U.S. National Park Service style campground, but paved roads, paved sites. There are restrooms here, a really nice spot, and it's our hidden gem campground of the week. We'll have a link in the description below where you can go get some more information about this campground. And it's highly likely that it's available this weekend if you're looking for a cool spot to go. So back to you, Mike and Jen. Thanks, Mark. And if you want to check out that campground, just look in the description below. We'll uh, put a link directly into the uh, Oracoke National Park Campground. And uh, thanks, Mark. Mark's campgroundviews.com has uh, images like that where you can actually see the places that you're interested in running and looking at those sites. I wonder if other people like Mark's weekly campgrounds as much as I do. Yeah, it's so much, I mean, you know, I just think being able to see it, you know, yes. like, like kind of drive down those roads like he does in the video. Mm -hmm. For those of you listening, the audio version of this, if you go over to the YouTube, RV Lifestyle YouTube channel, uh, and you, you can watch the video version of it, Mark actually shows uh, on screen um, that, uh, that cool service that'll let you find the, the campground and look at it and, uh, and then book from right there. So thanks, Mark. Thanks to all of you. Again, happy Thanksgiving. And I guess we can be one of the first to start wishing them a Merry Christmas because it's that time of year again, right? Let's, let's just keep it happy Thanksgiving. Next week okay. it'll be Merry okay. Christmas. So happy Thanksgiving. Happy everybody. Thanksgiving to everybody and happy trails.